Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Many mums will laugh about their inability to jump on trampolines or sneeze without peeing just a little bit. But pelvic injuries post-birth are no fun and finding the right way to treat your particular issue can be challenging. Jamie Alexander is a urogynecology fellow at Monash Health, which means he specialises in female pelvic medicine and reconstructive surgery. He was also the lead author in a study into the laser treatment of pelvic floor issues. Hi, Jamie. How are you? Good, thanks, Sean. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Um, When do women come to see you? Are they normally referred to you by a GP? Uh, Yeah, so that that would be the most common way women present, certainly. There's a few different options for women as their first port of call, but GP would be common. And I think physiotherapists who specialise in pelvic floor uh, physiotherapy would also be a referral pathway. See, the interesting thing about that, for me anyway, is that I only learned about pelvic floor physios several years after I'd given birth. um, And even a couple of years after I started doing podcasts for parents Um, so I was pretty astounded that I was that ignorant about it but then when I speak to pelvic floor physios um, there seems to be quite a lot of I wouldn't say misinformation but people just don't seem to know of the specialists who work in this area Um, is it a relatively unknown area of health or was I just living under a rock yeah no I think your experience is a very common one Siobhan so certainly we, we have patients that come to us, you know, 10 years after, 10, 20 years after they've had symptoms of, uh, you know, urinary incontinence. And that can be for a number of reasons. I mean, I think women often put themselves last um, when they're bringing up a family, but also it's because, you know, that awareness just isn't out there about the services that are available. So many women experience pelvic floor problems after birth. What are the most common injuries you see in surgery after childbirth? So the most common symptoms, I guess, would be symptoms of incontinence, which is fairly straightforward with normally urinary leakage. And that tends to be what we call stress incontinence, which is leakage with exertion. So as you said, it might be when jumping on the trampoline or when coughing or laughing, that there's some form of leakage. The other common symptoms we see is prolapse symptoms. And that's a, that's a feeling of a bulge or heaviness or dragging in the vagina or even a protrusion of tissue from the vagina coming outside. So um, obviously when people come to you, they're needing surgery. What are the other options prior to surgery that can be used to try and treat pelvic floor issues? I think surgery isn't always the most appropriate option for um, patients. And I think in the case of uh, you know, young mums, it's rarely the best first option. And, you know, we, we would guide patients on, you know, the appropriate pathways on an individual case-by-case basis. For urinary incontinence, there's no doubt that the, that the best initial treatment is pelvic floor muscle training, which is best performed uh, under supervised conditions initially, and that would be with a physiotherapist or sometimes a continence nurse. We know from very good data that the cure of stress incontinence with physiotherapy alone is over 50% and improvement is over 70%, which are really quite impressive 
figures, I think, for a non-surgical treatment. So physiotherapy would form the first line of treatment. Uh, we can also offer vaginal pessaries, which have less success, but in some cases are going to be beneficial to women. And then after that, we start looking towards surgical type treatments. So with surgery, are there many options? Um, I'm just thinking about the awful experience of women who have used um, mesh. And I mean, I don't know enough about it, but the story that was out about women who'd used mesh to help with certain injuries and it had just made life a lot worse for them. And I'm not sure if it was the procedure or the actual material that was used that was the problem, but that was a huge story in the headlines. Has that got anything to do with the kind of work you do? Uh, yeah, certainly it does. Uh, so so the biggest issue has been the use of vaginal mesh for prolapse surgery. And indeed, we don't use, uh, we don't put mesh in the vagina from a vaginal approach at all anymore. And that's because the complications for uh, a number of women were unacceptable. We, we do use mesh in the setting of uh, stress urinary incontinence. That is just about the most studied procedure in the world and, and the risks of that type of mesh are much lower. Um, it's not to say that we're not concerned about that type of mesh and, and we go through a significant counselling process with the patient. But in terms of the options for stress incontinence surgery, it's probably the surgery which has the least complications, although we can do the surgery without the use of mesh as well for those that would really prefer to avoid mesh under you know, all circumstances. So I won't ask too many questions about surgery because it's definitely uh, medicine is not my area of forte. Um, but if we could turn to this idea of laser surgery mm, to fix sure. these kinds of problems, um, a colleague, a friend had said to me, oh, look, this I've been approached by a company. This, this is what they do. Um, it sounds amazing. And I, I didn't hear much more about it. And I'm just wondering what is this laser surgery purporting to fix? And I have other questions too, but let's start there. Laser surgery, it's, it's almost easier to think of it as a procedure. You don't need to be put to sleep for it. It's a procedure done normally in the rooms of a, of a doctor. And it, it involves a vaginal laser treatment that provides energy uh, to the vaginal walls uh, with the hope of improving the symptoms for that patient. The issue with it is it's a new treatment and at this stage I think the jury is still out on how effective that treatment is. So when you say it puts energy into that particular area, is it aiming to stimulate muscle muscle development or a, a way of reinvigorating the muscles in that area, like what you might do with pelvic floor exercises? Yeah, look, that's that's a really good question and there would be some debate on the effect of how the laser affects tissue. The idea behind it is that it causes a heating of those superficial layers of the vagina. That heating breaks down some of the tissue, uh, which causes shrinkage of that tissue. That effect of damage to the tissue means the body sends signals to bring in what are called fibroblasts, which are, are new cells that can lay down new tissue in that area. And then the idea behind that is that new tissue, tissue actually thickens and makes that vaginal wall more healthy. Now, in the case of something like urinary incontinence, the idea is that if that tissue is more healthy and thicker, then the urethra, uh, which is the pipe that 
uh, we weave through has better support so that when there's an increase in pressure, uh, instead of leakage occurring, the urethra is able to compress onto that now healthier tissue. So that's the theory behind it. And there's still ongoing research being done to confirm that all that happens in practice as it does in theory. So with your research that you were looking into with the Mm. laser treatment of these Mm. pelvic floor issues, um, were you able to work out its um, efficacy in terms of a rate of success or anything like that? So our our study was what's called a randomised control trial where we one group of people receives real laser treatment and the other group receives sham or fake laser treatment. And, and our results are, are yet to be published, but they haven't shown an overwhelming success rate of the laser treatment uh, for stress urinary incontinence at this stage. And that, that would only be the second sort of randomised control trial that's published currently for this. Uh, The the, the other randomised control trial did show some benefit, but used a different type of laser treatment to what we used. In addition, the International Urogynecology Association and the International Continence Society have both provided um, advice saying that at this stage, given the lack of evidence, there's not a recommendation for laser treatment for stress incontinence. And so far, our results would not contradict that advice. It seems if you look at any website that's advertising this treatment, they kind of do shout from the rooftops how amazing it is, how non-invasive, how it might be the the miracle cure that women are looking for. And if I imagine if you suffer from this kind of incontinence, it would sound pretty good. So I guess it sounds like those claims are a bit premature. Yeah, look, I, I would agree with that. There is evidence that is based on studies called cohort studies, which just means the patients know what treatment they're giving, the doctors are giving that treatment, they know what treatment they're getting. And those those studies can be subject to what we call bias, but those studies have had positive results, but they're not what we'd consider the highest level of evidence. And I think if there's one thing we learned from the MESH saga and that it's really important for us to keep on remembering is that we need to have the highest level of evidence before we you know, engage in new treatments on anyone in Australia, but, you know, certainly certainly women who are in vulnerable positions with, you know, really uh, life-affecting symptoms that we, we are only performing treatments based on excellent evidence. And I think it would be fair to say that that probably doesn't really exist for vaginal laser treatment at the moment. So if someone was considering it and looking at those options and maybe hasn't been to see a specialist or anyone about their own incontinence problems, where would you advise they start? Who should they go to see first? There's probably a couple of options. One would be their GP. GPs, uh, you know, certainly are getting more and more aware and educated as to the pelvic floor issues post-childbirth. And the other would be to see a physiotherapist, although it should be a physiotherapist that has received additional training in pelvic floor therapy. So, Uh, you would just want to check that the physio you were seeing had received that training. Jamie, thank you so much for your time today. No worries. My pleasure, Siobhan. Thank you. That's Jamie Alexander. He's a urogynecology fellow at Monash Health. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au.
See you next time.